the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Five thirty-three hundred. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. 
A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near your dwelling. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked if you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge. Then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. This precious psalm, Psalm 91 can be a great comfort to our hearts. It can also be a terrifying psalm. Because while he's saying that he will save us from the deadly pestilence, the deadly pestilence that is racking America right now and the world, the deadly pestilence that is taking the lives of precious men and women. This deadly pestilence, it is a fearful thing. I can't come to you today and say, don't be afraid, trust in Jesus, even though that's true. I can't say that to you, however, because... There are conditions laid down in Psalm 91 that we must meet if he is going to cover us with his feathers. If he's going to protect us from the deadly pestilence, then there are conditions we must meet. It says in verse 9, If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, the requirement is that I make the Lord God of heaven my dwelling place. Many in America have not made the Lord their dwelling place. Instead, they have dwelt in the entertainment of the world. And let me be very straight. If you're going to the entertainment, if you're going to the professional sports, if you're going to the movies, if you're going to the clubs, if you're going to the entertainment of the world, you have not made the most high your dwelling, and you are in grave danger of God's judgment. Now is the time for God to judge the living and the dead. We have come and are crashing through into the tribulation time 
I believe that tribulation time began with the First World War. Never before had men had the kind of technological power to assemble such armies from all the nations. And from the beginning of the First World War, we have been at war constantly with earthquakes, with disease, wickedness. So I don't come to you today and say, relax, trust Jesus, everything's going to be all right. I can't say that to you. Not if you're walking in sin. Not if you love the world and the things of darkness. Then you are not safe. You are in grave danger. And the world is shutting down. America is shutting down restaurants, bars, places of gathering are shutting down. May I be so bold as to say, I believe God is shutting America down because America must repent if it is going to be safe and if it is going to be saved. It says, Then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come upon your tent. When? When you make the Most High your dwelling place. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. Psalm 91 is for the man or the woman who has made the Most High their dwelling place, not the world, not the flesh, not the devil. Psalm 91 promises that he will rescue us if we love him, not cheap sentimental love. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, Love in the New Testament means we choose to obey Jesus and we leave the things of the flesh. We leave the things of the world. And I believe God is bringing America a great wake-up call. Now, I know I've listened as pastors, teachers, prophets. They all comfort you with their words. I have no comfort for you today. I simply have a call to leave your sin and get right with Jesus before you're swept away in the pandemic of coronavirus. I urge you, get right with Jesus now while you can. Don't trust in words of cheap comfort. Don't trust in words that say, Well, Psalm 91 is for you when you know you've not made the Lord your dwelling place and you know you are still lusting after the things of darkness. How can that possibly be? Now, Jesus addresses this issue in a very interesting way. I want to share with you this story out of the Gospel of John. It's a story that you may be very familiar with. But listen again, because 
There are some hidden things in this story that are stunning to the American church. Before I share this with you, let's pray. Almighty God, we're in such trouble. We're in such trouble in America. Almighty God, I know you love us. You demonstrated that on the cross with your son Jesus. Father, I know you love us. But we have sinned against you. We, America, has sinned grossly against you. Sixty million babies have been murdered in America just since Roe versus Wade was passed by a wicked Supreme Court. Lord, your name has been taken out of the marketplace. We have become exceedingly wicked, selfish, self-centered, hedonistic. Lord, we've turned aside from you and we've sought every kind of entertainment. We've used our money not for the missions as Americans used to do, but for self-pleasure. Lord, America is not hidden. America is not hidden in you, Jesus. We have religion without commitment. We have religion that's cold and hard. Religion that pampers with entertainment. That seduces with wickedness. Oh Lord, I beg of you, turn your Turn your eyes upon America today and bring forth a great cry of repentance from the hearts of men and women. Lord, people are dying and many more are going to die and they will be swept not into the kingdom of God but into hell. Even though they say, I love Jesus, they don't love you, Jesus. They walk in the ways of the world. They walk in the ways of wickedness. Oh, Lord, I know your heart is compassionate and merciful and kind and long-suffering. I know that's who you are. But we have tried your patience until finally you've allowed this disease, this pestilence, to come with great power upon our nation, destroying our financial system. Lord, I know the stock market is crashing. And men and women are having their, their savings destroyed. They're having their, their retirement money stolen away. And what are we going to do, Lord? I know homelessness is going to increase. Many will be on the streets in camps. Lord, if we can't earn money, how do we survive? Lord, I know the answer to that. We're going to survive by turning to you and repenting and crying aloud to you. But, oh Lord, 
Most in America have no idea how to deal with you or how to pray. This nation walks in such wickedness and such sin. Lord, I beseech you, raise up a cry of repentance across our nation. Raise up a cry of repentance across this nation, Lord. Move into people's hearts and minds. Cause them to cry aloud to you, Jesus. Cause them to seek your face. Lord, I've read about times past where you came by your Spirit and hovered over a whole city. And everyone in that city felt your presence and most repented of their sin. Lord, that's what we need again. Lord, we need your presence to come. Lord, it grieves me today that I can't come on the air and comfort the people with the words of Psalm 91 when Psalm 91 says there are conditions and they must be met or you will die. Lord, I beseech you. Would you come? Would you meet us today? Almighty God. Almighty God. We're in such trouble. My brother, my sister, we are in trouble in America. This has never happened here before, where everything just across the nation got shut down. Churches. I went to a church last night, hoping I would find them open for their 6 p.m. service so I could come in and worship and pray with them. I got to the church and... It was closed. My heart was grieved. Let me share this story with you. It'll get right to the point, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, one of the feasts of the Jews. There was the disciples weren't with him. He was by himself. And he went to a pool called the Pool of Bethesda. I've been there. I've dipped my hands in that pool. I've prayed and I've wept at that pool. Remembering what Jesus did there, there were a great number of disabled people there. They were sick. They were were blind. They were lame. They were paralyzed. And one man had been there for 38 years believing that if he could just get in the water when an angel stirred it because it's spring-fed. And sometimes the spring will make swirls of water appear. Well, they said that was an angel, and the first one who stepped into the pool was supposed to be healed. Superstition. But he said, No one will help me into the pool. As though that were going to heal him. And beside him was standing 
the creator of the universe, and he didn't recognize him. He didn't know Jesus. His whole attention was taken up with, is the water going to move, and how quickly can I roll off this this side of the of the pool and into the water so I can get healed? Oh, my brother and my sister, there are all kinds of false places and false things claiming they can heal you. Our healing comes only from Jesus. He is our healer. He is our Lord. Jesus comes and asks him a question. Do you want to get well? And on the surface, we would say, what a foolish question to ask this man. Of course he wants to get well. He's been trying to roll into that pool for 38 years, and he's not been able to until finally he's given up. He doesn't want to get soaking wet one more time and almost die in the pool because someone went in ahead of him. Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus looked at this man with great mercy. He said, get up. Pick up your mat and walk around carrying your mat. At once the man was healed. He felt the power surge through his body. He picked up his mat. He rolled it up and he began to walk around the temple area. The pool of Bethesda is not far from the temple. Now that day happened to be a Sabbath day. And the Jews had very strict rules about keeping the Sabbath. You could not carry an extra handkerchief. You could not carry a boiled egg. You were very restricted in what you could do. It had become extremely legalistic. You were only allowed to walk so many steps on the Sabbath day. It's the Sabbath. The Lord forbids you to carry, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But the the invalid replied to the Jewish rulers, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk around. Well, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? They don't recognize the, the creator of the earth either. They don't recognize Jesus. Oh, they're very religious. Some of you listening today are very religious. But you're still walking in sin. And now we come to a a coronavirus. We come to COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. And people are terrified. And they don't rush to the church to lay on their faces before Almighty God and pray. No, they close the churches. No power there. No healing there. What would have happened if the church I visited last night, instead of closing their doors, had opened their church and said, Everybody come, and if you have the the sickness upon you, come to the church, and every person who comes is going to be healed and turned toward the Lord. You're going to have your sins forgiven. Well, they couldn't do that. You know why? 
because the power of the Spirit of God is not there. The power of God has basically left the American church. We don't know how to pray anymore. Some churches still have 5.30 a.m. prayer every morning. But what do they pray about? They don't pray about saving the lost and repenting of their sins. Do you hear what I, do you hear what I'm trying to say to you today? This man who had just been healed had no idea who it was that had healed him. As though anyone else in the world could have healed him except Jesus. No one else could have healed him. These were these were Jewish people that should be looking for their Messiah. Jesus didn't come in some quiet little corner. It was very public. He was healing people in the temple. He was he was preaching the word of God. John the Baptist had come and prepared the way, yet they were ignorant of who he was. Later, I refer you to John, the fifth chapter, verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple. In other words, Jesus came looking for this man. And he would know him because he was carrying around his mat, but he also recognized him. He was looking for him. He said, See, you're well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Well, something worse is happening to America now. COVID-19 virus. And people are dying. Jesus said, Stop sinning. America has not stopped sinning. We have plunged deeper and deeper as a church and as a nation into the wickedness of the world. The vileness of what I see breaks my heart. I don't want to see people die. I don't want to see people die. But false comfort will be of no benefit to you. If I say, read Psalm 91 and relax while you gasp for breath as you die. Now, Psalm 91 says, you have to make your dwelling place in God. And you can't walk in sin and make your dwelling place in God at the same time. If you're walking in sin, you can't enter into Jesus. Yes, he's merciful, he's kind, he's compassionate, he's long-suffering. But you have to leave your sin if you are going to live. Now, you may not die in this virus. Many of you will, I believe. But you may not die in this virus. Maybe you have an exceptionally strong immune system. Maybe you're exceptionally healthy. Maybe you're not an old man like I am. I can tell you now, though, the Lord is ready to judge the living and the dead. 
This week I'm going to deal with the prophetic utterances that tell us we are at the very end of time and it is late for you to get clean before God. If you're waiting until the last minute, this is it. Leave your sin. Remember another story? The woman caught in adultery. They took her from the warm bed of the man she was having the adulterous affair with and stood her before Jesus in the early hours of the morning in the temple. And they said, this woman we just caught in adultery. She was disheveled. She was probably in a nightgown. She was utterly embarrassed. She was certain she was going to die. And she deserved to die by Jewish law. So they brought her and cast her down before Jesus and said, we just caught this woman in the act of adultery. Now, what do you say? Should we stone her or let her go? If Jesus said stone her, the Jewish authorities would go to the Roman authorities and say, Jesus commanded the death of this woman by stoning. He is now a criminal because Jewish leaders were not allowed to impose the capital death sentence that was only for Romans. If, on the other hand, Jesus said, let her go, the leaders of the Jewish nation would accuse him of being soft on the law and they would condemn him. Jesus bends over and begins to write in the sand. I don't know what he was writing. Maybe he was writing the names of the women that these men had had affairs with. Perhaps, perhaps they were evil too. We know they were. Whatever the case, they began to slip away in embarrassment. Whoever is without sin, cast the first stone, he said. They watched as he wrote in the sand. And then they were gone. And Jesus said, Has no man condemned you? No, Master. There was no one left there to condemn her. And Jesus said to her, Go, sin no more. Go, sin no more. Twice now we see Jesus saying, Stop sinning. Some of you are not sinning with outward actions of your body. You're not on drugs. You're not committing adultery. You're not fornicating. You're not murdering. You're not slandering. But in your mind, in your mind, you're sinning against God because of your lust for money, for power, for ambition, for things 
your whole heart is tuned to getting ahead in the world. Your whole heart desires the things of the flesh, not of the spirit. Some of you lust in your heart for women. We're men. We're wired. It's easy to let ourselves with our eyes sin against the mighty God of heaven. Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a woman. Not just men, it's women looking on men. Jesus said, stop sinning. The church says, oh, you can't stop sinning. It's impossible. You're always going to sin. Your past, present, and future sins are all forgiven. What would you think of a of a policeman arresting a purse snatcher? Putting him in jail for assault and theft. And he goes before the judge. And the judge says, are you guilty or not guilty? I'm guilty, sir. Well, are you sorry for your sin? Oh, yes, sir, I'm very sorry. Well, you have quite a record. You've been in this court a hundred times before for theft of purses and for assault. Yes, sir, please forgive me. Well, says the judge, all of your past sins are forgiven. All of your present sins are forgiven. And all of your future purse snatchings are forgiven. Now, go and have a good life. What would we do to a judge like that? He wouldn't be on the bench for five seconds. He'd be ripped off that bench. He would be impeached. He would be kicked out. He would be dishonored. What about the judge of the living and the dead? What kind of craziness entered into the mind of some man to believe that when Jesus died on Calvary, he forgave your future sins? That's insanity. It's not what the scriptures teach. It's utter nonsense. It's nonsense in a court today. It would be nonsense anywhere to anyone who was willing to even look honestly at the situation. No, a man has to leave his sin. A man has to leave his wicked ways. Both actions and thoughts have to be transformed by the power of the blood of Jesus. We must be regenerated by the Spirit. Jesus commanded this man, Okay, you're well. Now go and sin no more. I want to tell you the glorious truth of Jesus. Listen carefully. The woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus did not cast the first stone. 
and he took away the consequences of her sin. And then he said, now stop sinning. This man lay 38 years in his sin, in his wickedness. He lay for 38 years sick. Jesus comes and he heals him. That's grace. He healed this man. But then he said to him, now stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now please, if the man had not been sinning, Jesus would not have needed to say to him, now stop sinning. Sin was his life. So now we face the the death virus. Am I going to come and comfort you and say, your past, present, and future sins have all been forgiven. Live a good life. Comfort yourself with Psalm 91. Are you kidding me? I would be lying to you. Most of you who listen to this broadcast have not yet made the decision to totally leave your sin. Come on, be honest with me. I watched as a pastor stood in front of his congregation and he said, Today, I'd like if you're carrying the heavy burden of sin, I'd like you to stand. Be bold. Stand. And we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray release and healing for you. And then the camera swung over the congregation. Almost the entire congregation was standing on their feet. This is a Christian, conservative, evangelical church. Are you still in sin today? Do you have judgments in your heart against a brother or a sister? Are you bitter or angry in your spirit against a brother or a sister? Against a church? Against a parent? A brother or sister? Are you in sin today? Is there a bitter root in your heart where you think you've not been treated fairly and you're angry with God or you're angry with your boss? Has someone stolen from you? Someone who has disrupted your life by stealing what is precious from you? Are you in sin today? Are you cursing? Are you lying? Are you stealing? Are you sexually unclean? Are you in sin today? Then you are ready for judgment. And God is ready to judge the living and the dead. He has made it very plain. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And that worst thing is now happening in America. It's called the coronavirus. And may I tell you something? We're going to go into the prophecies as we move through this week. 
regarding the end of times, but I can tell you now, you've not seen anything yet. Oh, this virus may go away for a little bit, but there will be devastating tornadoes as went through Nashville in the middle of the night. There will be hurricanes. There will be volcanoes erupting, killing thousands. There will be earthquakes that will kill millions. We haven't seen anything yet. This is just the beginning of the birth pangs of the coming of Jesus Christ. And it's not time to comfort ourselves with false words of comfort that we somehow are all right. There must be a coming to terms with the reality of what Jesus has commanded when he has said, stop sinning or something worse may come upon you. Something worse may. The word grants permission God has granted permission for something much worse than the coronavirus to come upon America. We're just in the beginning of the birth pangs. Jesus is coming again. Please, I'm not angry. I've just been weeping before the Lord. For America, for Washington, D.C., for you. I've preached to you year after year, and you've listened. And you may have improved your life a bit, but how about laying your life down for Jesus? I was so encouraged last night. I I texted a friend. I told him I was crying out in prayer. And they texted me back, and they said, Pastor, I'm doing the same thing. My heart was comforted that there was another Christian who was crying out to God in prayer for America, for the church. Now, the Jewish rulers began to have a real conflict with Jesus. Verse 21, for just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. How do you honor the Son? By stopping all sin. Everything else is an insult to him. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him, and that word believe is much more than intellectual assent. It is agreeing to, it is obeying. He has eternal life and will not be condemned, 
He's crossed over from death to life. And the cry of my heart is that today you would stop all sin and cross over in Jesus from death to life. If you're walking in sin today, you're a dead man. You're a dead woman. It's time to come to life. I tell you the truth. A time is coming and now has come when the dead, the spiritually dead, will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. I want you to hear the voice of the living God today saying to you, stop sinning or something worse will come upon you. Don't be amazed at this. Verse 28, For a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. And then down... Verse 38, he's in the process of saying the word of God doesn't dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. Would you still believe you have your own life? You're in charge of yourself. You're still like Adam in the midst of his sin. Life is yours and it's yours to create and it's yours to enjoy. You don't belong to Jesus. But Jesus said, you were bought at a price. You are not your own. Verse 39, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. While you are in sin, you have no life. So it's time for America to repent. It's time for the church to repent. We don't need comfort. We need we need rebuke with tears. We need rebuke with tears. We need to be told that we have no life in us outside of Jesus. He is the Almighty God. He is the Creator God. He died on Calvary for you and for me. You have no life outside of Him. There's no middle ground where there's the devil's ground and there's Jesus' ground and then in the middle there's your ground. No. There's only Jesus' ground and the devil's ground. And if you're walking in sin, you're in the devil's ground. You may be very religious. But you are not of Jesus. He says, I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. Why? Because you have the love of the world in your heart. You're concerned about your job and your money. You're concerned about the coronavirus. You're concerned about your social connections you're concerned about your future 
None of that will help you because that says you don't have the love of God in your heart. And we recognize the temptation is to hold what I call the love of God and what I call my life and hold them both. You can't do it. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to have to lay down your life. You're going to have to be crucified with him. And your life will end and his life in you will begin. You must become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the only way you can do that is by laying your life down and asking Jesus to please come and to forgive you for your sins and to create in you a clean heart to give you a new spirit. We sing, you don't have the love of God in your heart. You love the world. You love the flesh. You love the devil. Over here in First Peter, the fourth chapter, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse upon you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached. It's why I've come to preach the gospel to you. Verse 7, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can pray. And above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling, in spite of the virus. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. One of my concerns is the financial resources that are necessary to take care of the poor during this time of testing and, and death that has come upon America. I'm going to use every possible dime I have to help families who are not prepared to meet this grave crisis. Some people are going to have to have their rent paid. Others are going to have to have food items some are going to have to have money for medical care. My heart is so concerned for you today. This coronavirus has been allowed by God Almighty, and it's a judgment upon this nation. And there must be a choosing to return to God and to leave our sin. We must do it.
You're welcome to call me. I'll be happy to talk with you. I'll pray with you. Don't call me to argue. I don't have time to waste with foolish people who are unwilling to repent and get right with Jesus. All of my time is going to be spent in these coming weeks helping people who are serious and need help, helping people get right with Jesus. If you want to help me do that, please, please help me. I can't do it alone. Now is not the time for comforting words to be spoken to the sick or the dying or the sinners. Now is the time to stop sinning and get right with Jesus and to pray that he will move his hand to stay this plague that's come upon our nation. Well, we're out of time. I need to hear from you. This is a faith ministry. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. And thank the many of you who've helped me. The check has been sent for last month. Already I'm praying through this month's expenses. I need your help. And I have families who are calling me and saying, Pastor, can you help me? We don't have toilet paper. Families need help. Would you be a part of helping? Write to me, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Thank you to those of you who've been giving online. Now is the time to give, to help, to make a difference. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. Come again tomorrow. I'll talk to you soon.